Hi, and welcome to Fado, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. I don't know about you, but I am prone to occasionally get caught up in a video game. And lately, I'm one of about 6 million people who have downloaded a Viking-themed survival title called Valheim. If you haven't heard of it, the idea is that you're a Viking who has recently died and ended up in what is essentially purgatory, and you've been tasked with surviving the harsh environment and defeating a series of bosses in order to earn your place in Valhalla. It's like Minecraft meets Beowulf. Now, I'm not getting any kickbacks from Iron Gate Studios, but check it out if it sounds like your thing. Anyway, I didn't really come here to tell you about a video game, but I did have an idea. In the game, you face a variety of folkloric monsters, all based on actual Norse myth and legend. And so I thought, why not take an opportunity to do an episode, or maybe several, based around some of those creatures as well. That leads me to this episode's topic, the Nyx, which you may recognize more readily in its feminine form, the Nixie. Now, the story today is German, not Norse, but as usual, there are stories of the Nix all over the place. I'll fill you in after the tale. But it's not Fado without a good story first, right? And now, as collected by the Brothers Grimm in Children's and Household Tales in 1843, and translated in 2002 by Dr. D. L. Ashleiman, The Nixie in the Pond. Once upon a time, there was a miller. He lived contentedly with his wife. They had money and land, and their prosperity increased from year to year. But misfortune comes overnight. Just as their wealth had increased, so did it decrease from year to year, until finally the miller scarcely owned even the mill where he lived. He was in great distress, and when he lay down after a day's work, he found no rest, but tossed and turned in his bed, filled with worries. One morning, he got up before daybreak and went outside, thinking that the fresh air would lighten his heart. As he was walking across the mill dam, the first sunbeam was just appearing, and he heard something rippling in the pond. Turning around, he saw a beautiful woman rising out of the water, Her long hair, which she was holding above her shoulders with her soft hands, flowed down on both sides and covered her white body. He saw very well that she was a nixie of the pond, and he was so frightened that he did not know whether to run away or stay where he was. But the nixie, speaking with a soft voice, called him by name and asked him why he was so sad. At first the miller was speechless, But when he heard her speak so kindly, he took heart and told her how he had lived with good fortune and wealth, but that now he was so poor that he did not know what to do. "'Be at ease,' answered the Nixie. "'I will make you richer and happier than you have ever been before. You must only promise to give me that which has just been born in your house.' "'What else can that be?' thought the miller. "'But a young dog or a young cat?' and he promised her what she demanded. The Nixie descended into the water again, and consoled in good spirits he hurried back to his mill. He had not yet arrived there when the maid came out of the front door and called out to him that he should rejoice, for his wife had given birth to a little boy. 
The miller stood there, as though he had been struck by lightning. He saw very well that the cunning Nixie had known this and had cheated him. With his head lowered, he went to his wife's bed. When she said, Why are you not happy with the beautiful boy? He told her what had happened to him, and what kind of a promise he had given to the Nixie. What good to me are good fortune and prosperity, he added, if I am to lose my child, but what can I do? Even the relatives who had come to congratulate them did not have any advice for him. In the meantime, good fortune returned to the miller's house. He succeeded in everything that he undertook. It was as though the trunks and strong boxes filled themselves of their own accord, and as though money in a chest multiplied overnight. Before long his wealth was greater than it had ever been before. However, it did not bring him happiness without concern, for his agreement with the Nixie tormented his heart. Whenever he passed the pond he feared she might appear and demand payment of his debt. He never allowed the boy himself to go near the water. Beware, he said to him, if you touch the water a hand will appear, take hold of you and pull you under. However, year after year passed, and the Nixie made no further appearance, so the miller began to feel at ease. The boy grew up to be a young man and was apprenticed to a huntsman. When he had learned this trade and had become a skilled huntsman, the lord of the village took him into his service. In the village there lived a beautiful and faithful maiden whom the huntsman liked, and when his master noticed this, he gave him a little house. The two were married, lived peacefully and happily, and loved each other sincerely. One day the huntsman was pursuing a deer. When the animal ran out of the woods and into an open field, he followed it and finally brought it down with a single shot. He did not notice that he was in the vicinity of the dangerous mill-pond, and after he had dressed out the deer, he went to the water in order to wash his blood-stained hands. However, he had scarcely dipped them into the water when the Nixie emerged. Laughing, she wrapped her wet arms around him, then pulled him under so quickly that waves splashed over him. When it was evening and the huntsman did not return home, his wife became frightened. She went out to look for him. He had often told her that he had to be on his guard against the Nixie's snares, and that he did not dare to go near the mill-pond, so she already suspected what had happened. She hurried to the water, and when she found his hunting-bag lying on the banks, she could no longer have any doubt of the misfortune. Crying and wringing her hands, she called her beloved by name, but to no avail. She hurried across to the other side of the mill-pond and called him anew. She cursed the Nixie with harsh words, but no answer followed. The surface of the water remained calm. Only the moon's half-face stared steadily back up at her. With fast strides, never stopping to rest, she walked around it again and again, sometimes in silence, sometimes crying out loudly, sometimes sobbing softly. Finally her strength gave out, and she sank down to the ground, falling into a heavy sleep. She was soon immersed in a dream. She was fearfully climbing upward between large rocky cliffs. Thorns and briars were hacking at her feet. Rain was beating into her face. The wind was billowing her long hair about. When she reached the top, a totally different sight presented itself to her. The sky was blue, a soft breeze was blowing. The ground sloped gently downwards, and in a green meadow dotted with colorful flowers stood a neat cottage. She walked up to it and opened the door. 
There sat an old woman with white hair who beckoned to her kindly. At that moment the poor woman awoke. It was already daylight, and she decided at once to follow her dream. With difficulty she climbed the mountain, and everything was just as she had seen it during the night. The old woman received her kindly, showing her a chair where she was to sit. "'You must have met with misfortune,' she said, having sought out my lonely cottage. The woman related with tears what had happened to her. "'Be comforted,' said the old woman. "'I will help you. Here is a golden comb for you. Wait until the full moon has risen, then go to the mill-pond. Sit down on the bank and comb your long black hair with this comb. When you are finished, set it down on the bank, and you will see what will happen.' The woman returned home, but the time passed slowly for her until the full moon came. Finally the shining disk appeared in the heaven, and she went out to the mill-pond, sat down, and combed her long black hair with the golden comb. When she was finished she set it down at the water's edge. Before long there came a motion from beneath the water. A wave arose, rolled onto the bank, and carried the comb away with it. In not more time than it took for the comb to sink to the bottom, the surface of the water parted, and the huntsman's head emerged. He said nothing, only looking at his wife with sorrowful glances. That same instant a second wave rushed up and covered her husband's head. Then everything vanished. The mill-pond lay as peaceful as before, with only the face of the full moon shining on it. Filled with sorrow, the woman returned— but she saw the old woman's cottage in a dream. The next morning she set out again and told her sorrows to the wise woman. The old woman gave her a golden flute and said, Wait until the full moon comes again, then take this flute, sit on the bank and play a beautiful tune on it. When you are finished, set it in the sand, then you will see what will happen. The woman did what the old woman had told her to do. No sooner was the flute lying in the sand than there was a motion from beneath the water, and a wave rushed up and carried the flute away with it. Immediately afterwards the water parted, and not only her husband's head, but half of his body emerged as well. He stretched out his arms longingly toward her, but a second wave rushed up, covered him, and pulled him down again. "'Oh, what does it help me?' said the unhappy woman, "'for me only to see my beloved and then to lose him again.' Despair filled her heart anew, but a dream led her a third time to the old woman's house. She went there, and the wise woman gave her a golden spinning wheel, comforted her, and said, Everything is not yet fulfilled. Wait until the full moon comes, then take the spinning wheel, sit it on the bank, and spin the spool full. When you have done this, place the spinning wheel at the water's edge, and you will see what will happen. The woman did everything exactly as she had been told. As soon as the full moon appeared, she carried the golden spinning wheel to the bank, and span diligently until she was out of flax, and the spool was completely filled with thread. She had scarcely placed the wheel on the bank when there was a more violent motion than before from the water's depth. Then a powerful wave rushed up and carried the wheel away with it. Immediately the head and whole body of her husband emerged in a waterspout, he quickly jumped to the bank, caught his wife by the hand, and fled. They had gone only a little distance when the entire mill-pond arose with a terrible roar, then with terrible force streamed out across the countryside. 
The fugitives saw death before their eyes when the wife, in her terror, called out for the old woman to help them, and they were instantly transformed, she into a toad, he into a frog. The flood which had overtaken them could not destroy them, but it separated them and carried them far away. When the water receded and they both reached dry land again, their human forms returned again, but neither knew where the other one was. They found themselves among strange people who did not know their native land. High mountains and deep valleys lay between them. In order to earn a living, they both had to herd sheep. For long years they drove their flocks through fields and woods, and were filled with sorrow and longing. One day, when spring had once again broken forth on the earth, they both went out with their flocks, and as chance would have it, they moved toward one another. He saw a herd on a distant mountainside, and drove his sheep toward it. They met in a valley, but did not recognize one another but they were happy that they were no longer so alone. From then on, every day they drove their flocks next to each other. They did not speak much, but they did feel comforted. One evening, when the full moon was shining in the sky, and the sheep were already at rest, the shepherd took his flute out of his pocket and played on it a beautiful but sorrowful tune. When he had finished, he saw that the shepherdess was crying bitterly. "'Why are you crying?' he asked. "'Oh,' she answered, the full moon was shining like this when I played that tune on the flute for the last time, and my beloved's head emerged out of the water. He looked at her, and it was as though a veil fell from his eyes. He recognized his beloved wife, and when she looked at him with the moon shining on his face, she recognized him as well. They embraced and kissed one another, and no one needs to ask if they were happy. Where to begin? First, a few comments on the story itself. This bears all the hallmarks of one of the old collected oral stories from the Grimm's, including the strangely tacked-on second ending of sorts. You might have thought that she'd get her husband back and they'd live happily ever after, right? And that did happen, but not before they were forced to become amphibians and then herd sheep for a while. And then... What about the deal the man struck with the Nixie? I mean, surely a man out walking by his pond knows that his wife is home and about to have a baby, right? Delivering a baby isn't typically much of a surprise. But I think if maybe we grant that the audience knows that, then maybe this is one of those cases where a storyteller sets up the Nixie's request and the Miller thinks... No way that could be anything but a cat or something, but the listener definitely knows exactly how this could go wrong. And we as listeners can collectively groan at the tremendous oversight of our friend, the Miller. We do it all the time watching movies. We know they shouldn't open that door, but they're going to do it anyway. So, some knowledge of the Nixies is assumed by this story. And let me fill you in. First of all, the words Nix and Nixie are rooted in Germanic origin, and come from a word meaning to wash, which makes sense, because they're always aquatic and keep to their rivers and lakes and shores. The Nordic version of the word is neck, but depending on where you go, there are similar words that all describe a similar aquatic creature, which made me think that there was a much older common ancestor. 
I didn't have to look further than Wikipedia to find that the Sanskrit word, which I think is approximately pronounced Naniktai, means wash or to be washed, and is likely the origin. There is a lot of information on related words for the Nixie, and it's way too much to cover in its entirety. In Valheim, the Neck is one of the first creatures you encounter, and it's a small lizard salamander-like nuisance that hangs out in creeks and bodies of water. But in actual folklore, they're a little more dangerous. As for what the Nixie looks like, it's hard to say. If you remember the Knuckle of V episode, and right away you may notice a similarity in that name, you'll remember that it's an aquatic, shape-shifting creature that usually appears as a horse. The same goes for the Nixie. It's a shapeshifter and does sometimes show up as a horse. This horse is prone to lure someone onto its back and then plunge into the water to drown and possibly devour them. In German and Scandinavian folklore, though, the neck shows itself more often in the form of an attractive man who plays a violin and lures women and children to their doom with his music and charm. But as we see in this story, they also appear as women. It seems to me, and I came across places that said as much, that the neck is related to the Greek sirens, famous for singing and luring sailors into the rocks to their doom. These creatures are creative and varied in their appearance, but with the same overarching goal of getting you drowned. It's no wonder that folklore and legend is filled with dangerous creatures in the water. It was and still is a dangerous place. I'm certain that the child in this story is not the only one who was warned against getting too near to the water with stories about the Nixie that lived there. Nixies and Necks do have their weaknesses, though. According to Mythology.net, you could throw a piece of metal, specifically iron or silver, into their body of water, which would keep them at bay while you went by. They could also be tricked away from their water with music or an attractive person and bridled with silver in horse form and forced to do someone's bidding, which kind of relates back to the puka who had a similar weakness. Yet another mischievous shapeshifter that likes turning into a horse. I'm going to have to find a folkloric creature that doesn't turn into a horse next time. Also, if you can find out the name of a particular Nix or Nixie and speak it aloud where it can hear its own name, that will kill them outright. We've seen the power that names can have before as well, and Nixies are just as susceptible. Now, try as I might, I couldn't find anything about how this particular Nixie was forced to release the man with the objects the old woman gave to the girl. If I'm speculating, and I often am... Maybe it was simply that the Nixie was envious of the golden objects on the bank and wanted them for herself. And also, the comb may have played to the Nixie's vanity, and the flute to the Nixie's love of music, a fact likely understood by the listeners. And maybe, for the Nixie to leave the pond and retrieve the gold required her to turn her attentions from her prisoner long enough for him to try to escape. It took three tries, but as we know in fairy tales... Third time is definitely a charm. There is so much more I could cover about the Neck, the Nixie, and the incredible wealth of related creatures. I think of everything I've covered so far on this show, this little water spirit is the most expansive and well-traveled of any of them. Seriously, though, next time, I'm doing something that doesn't live in the water and doesn't turn into a horse. 
Bonus points if it also doesn't try to eat children. Now, if you're enjoying Fido, then you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss an episode. You can also go to FidoPodcast.com and listen on any device. Make sure and share Fido with your friends and family if you like what you're hearing. Word of mouth is my best advertisement. Don't forget to leave me a comment or a question, and I might be able to read them on the air. I love hearing from my listeners. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Fado Podcast, and if you would like to support the show more directly, you can become a patron. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. There is behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, and if you join, you'll get a personal handwritten thank you from me in the mail, as well as a Fado sticker. Also, you'll get a mention here on the show. That brings us to the end of Season 2, Episode 7. Watch for Episode 8 coming out on April 4th. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time.